Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season three of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about self-identity, expectations from society, and how that affects our self-worth. June is Pride Month, so let's challenge things. You know, let's talk about a understanding of gender and how that might be challenged to the typical cis male when interacting with members of the LGBTQ. Masked Man number 63 is the modern musician. At a ripe age of 22, he shares his introspective spirals on what matters most to him, especially when I ask him a profound question. What would you die for? We speak about the masculine trait of wanting a challenge and the tension of becoming complacent without challenge or discomfort to push you. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. What is masculinity? It's such a diverse thing and we all have different experiences with it so just to start uncovering that to get some individual stories behind it and to to just hear perspectives different perspectives of different people I think is is really important Mm -hmm. especially now you know to demystify this this topic that is so often overlooked or not really fully addressed or addressed in interesting and strange ways just kind of bubbles over but it's never just directly illuminated Mm -hmm. I mean I think amongst at least my circle of of female friends we talk about what it is to like the role of women and women empowerment and you know changing the stereotype a lot and I'm just curious is that something that happens among you and your male friends in terms of like what is the role of men or masculinity itself or is it um, kind of is that gender-based identity not a factor at all um i mean it definitely depends on the group of people Mm -hmm. that i'm that i'm with i feel like there's groups that i have these sorts of conversations with often you know it's it's a topic of conversation it's of interest to to break down the gender binary and to understand different roles and responsibilities that have been traditionally assigned to either side of this binary or you know how we can see it more as a spectrum and understand what that means in our own lives so I I have that conversation a lot but not not in every group I don't find necessarily the space to to bring that in all the time with every group that I'm in I try if the opportunity lends itself to discuss it, but yeah, it's, it's not always brought to the forefront of, of conversation and mm-hmm. repeated over and over again. Cause I feel like that's also another thing as we change and go through our lives and, and come into different aspects of ourselves, our own idea of identity changes in our own relationship with our own femininity, masculinity changes as well. So I feel like it's far too often that maybe even if this conversation is brought up amongst a group of people or even individually, that it is brought up, addressed and put down to never be picked up again. I think that it's something that is important to constantly pick up, to constantly look at from different angles, from different perspectives. And 
that I think is what's lacking from a lot of my social experiences, I guess. Okay. But that being said, I do feel like fortunate <laughs> to have a, um, a friend group, at least who's, who's very always open to these conversations and really inspirational in their own pursuit of, of answers, of conversation, you know, of questioning and of just having an open ongoing dialogue. Hmm. So what does masculinity mean for you and what are, what kind of answers are you searching for? Which parts are kind of sticky feeling parts for you that you would like to learn more about that you're curious about that you're fearful about? You know, I, I thought you'd ask me that question. So I was thinking about it a little bit, but I didn't really get a, you know, I didn't end up with a, concrete definition it's, it's really hard to define my own life because it's kind of elusive and in the two things that kept coming up is the first one is you know to me masculinity it's it's kind of like a myth just this big this big show that doesn't actually exist you know it's this agreed upon norm the social construct that has changed historically through time and between cultures so anything that I try to pin down as masculinity for me is just can dissipate with my own grasp. You know, that's why it's, it's so hard because it seems so not real. It seems like such a, such a tool to create a further divide between people. That being said, I do still have a concept of masculinity and I come closest to understanding what that is when it is most challenged. So that's uh, environments that I, that I enjoy to be in, I guess. Um, I'm trying to think about how to like articulate more about this because I feel like I just gave you such a wishy-washy answer about what masculinity is and that didn't really address it but I don't know I mean like we could say traditionally like masculinity is being is being quote-unquote strong you know physically strong or it's not crying or it's being um somebody who takes risks and maybe sacrifices you know and perhaps at one point in my life I strongly identified with these definitions of masculinity, but I don't think that I do at least very overtly anymore. You know, I, I think back to, to my life and the things that I used to do and the things that I found interest in, maybe extreme sports, <laughs> <laughs> cliff jumping, snowboarding, and I have a lot of, a whole list of injuries to, to prove that. So maybe that glorification of recklessness mm. is an extension of masculinity or perhaps I'm just a thrill seeker and you know, yeah. it's, it's just this idea of this love of adrenaline that, that transcends, you know, I don't know. I, I guess it is more, more common with like, more commonly associated with masculinity though. Is that concept challenged at all when you interact with other men or other women? Like when is, was that concept more challenged? Like the concept of masculinity? 
Yeah, the one that you kind of carry on now. I don't know. I mean, I guess any interaction, it just gives like, I, I can't say like one is more challenging than the other, you know, or like one illuminates it further. But mm -hmm. definitely the further I am outside of the, my comfort zone or situations that I typically find myself in is the further I actually, the more clearly I can see these definitions, concepts, and ideas of masculinity that I hold. And to answer your question, like halfway, I guess I'd say it's most, it's most challenged when I, when I interact with like transgender individuals, because I feel like in those spaces, it's brought up, you know, just the idea of gender and the concepts of masculinity, femininity are most brought into question most openly talked about and most challenged for me in in these spaces because then I have to look at at myself and the things that I have come to stop questioning or you know like just different elements of, of who I am and specific situations I guess that that could lead me into I went with my friends for example a few years ago we went to this drag queen ball this dance that they were having at um at my school and I dressed up in like this gown, you know, this luscious dress. And uh, I was so tense that whole night. <laughs> I, you know, I specifically Why? did it because I was like, well, I mean, that's where I felt my, I guess, masculinity being challenged. Or perhaps that's where I felt the need to question things that I didn't feel that need before and it you know questioning doing this type of work unlearning what we think we know is uncomfortable this confrontation so I guess that night to me represented a lot of it was a humbling night you know and it was a it was a great experience but I was I was wondering why the entire time why am I feeling tense you know am I why am I, how am I out of my comfort zone? Do I belong to be here? You know, like, do I belong where I am? Am I putting on a show? I'm trying mm. something new. But I mean, it was a great experience. It was just one of recognition of, of the necessity to start unpacking these concepts a little bit further. Yeah. You know, I think that's interesting that you spoke about attire because I mean, it was a, it was a long time for women to be able to wear pants, you know? Um, since that was what men wore. And I think even now, just like, oh, it's it's more masculine to wear wear pants, you know, like wear the big pants and you know who's who's got the bigger seat at the table. And if you want to put a power play, then you'd wear pants, you know? And I think mm -hmm. a lot of women now are like, oh, let me get back in touch with my femininity because I've been trying so hard to be masculine to exert myself at least in the societal construct of, of power play. And then, you know, coming back into their natural form and, and being like, oh, this is the first time I'm wearing a dress too. So I think it's, it's interesting that like, as soon as you wear a dress, you're like, oh, like, why did you think it meant so much? And, and, and almost that, um, that it was unreal in the sense that you're like, do I even belong here? Because I'm, I'm putting on a show. Like, why do you think it was um, a demonstration rather than the, a, a true expression of yourself maybe because it was specifically for that one occasion you know mm. and it was with a group of people who 
where, you know, they go through their entire lives questioning and I guess existing in a space of gender nonconformity. And I walk through my life as, you know, typically a cisgender male. Mm -hmm. So for that one night, for me to explore that realm of my identity visibly Mm -hmm. to others, and then all other, you know, all previous days in my life, not, you know, it, that could just be a thing in, in my own head, or it's not something that I, that I wear, that I, that I am visibly standing for, as opposed to, to others who, you know, they don't take this, this you know, you, you go to the drag queen ball, you dress up, and then the next day, you, you just go to the grocery store, you know, and your attire doesn't change that much. Whereas for me, it was like, highlighted as an event and it was conscious decisions to you know exert myself to go outside of my comfort zone for that one specific advent event so that's probably why I was you know it was just most new to me and it seemed a little bit like uh most challenging and maybe slightly like a show because I was just with you know people who more commonly find themselves in these spaces where it's not so much a choice for me, it was, well, I mean, for me, it was just like, not like, like play, but just exploration in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a curiosity that you have to, to want to understand, right. And then to all, to put yourself in a space and displace yourself, right. To, to kind of challenge constructs of things. I remember in my early twenties, I would put on a a wedding ring just to pretend that I was older, you know, um, to look more successful. You know, I would wear certain types of clothing as if I was something else. And, you know, when you kind of explain this, I'm, I'm just curious, like maybe not a lot of people do that. Maybe more women than men do that. Um, at least cis women do to project a certain image of themselves. Um, not to say that they are always contemplating that, idea it's more that they're projecting it because that's how they see themselves and they want everyone else to see themselves and that's kind of how I would interpret kind of the drag world where like this is how I see myself and I want it to be seen as well you know it's kind of taking Mm -hmm. the inner version of yourself to the outer but um, I think for more cis people like that uh, generally just follow the status quo, whatever masculine looks like, whatever feminine looks like, there, there is no question. And then because there's no question, you end up questioning more. So I think um, there is more thinking behind cisgendered people um, nowadays because before they were just already set, you know, the standards were already in place. So now it's like, okay, well now I'm going to put myself in different spaces and then you kind of feel inauthentic or uncertain now of your own identity after seeing mm-hmm. others kind of exert their true identity yeah I guess like you know there's more like the opportunity for that is is more visible we're starting to understand that you know that it's possible this type of exploration is possible and a lot of time there's like it just takes you know a couple of fearless leaders could be like a poetic way to say it but like just you know people who who pave the way and who push back against what is previously thought are like 
the hard boundaries of any sector. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, to gender and we have like people who have stood up, you know, faced persecution, discrimination to, to stand for who they feel themselves to be, what they want to wear, how they want to act, how they want to speak, what they want to do with their lives. And because that work has been done historically, I think that it inspires people, I guess, and in some way creates a more comfortable space for that exploration to continue. So I think that's, I I completely agree with you that um, there's more more space, more opportunity for this type of exploration now, and and we're seeing it happen more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's get to know a little bit about you. What's uh what was your life like growing up? Where were you born and what was your family dynamic like? Born in Santa Clarita, Los Angeles. Kind of suburbs, you know, just the <laughs> suburban life. I have a sister, a little bit older than me. Two parents who were together. Pretty happy, happy family. You know, I felt supported and had access to resources to take music lessons, go to school, get help with my homework. So it was, uh, you know, I'd say a very like stable upbringing where questions were, questions, curiosities and and creativities were, were encouraged. And I feel very fortunate about that. Not to say that there wasn't, as with any family, areas of difficulty, but nothing that was insurmountable so I'd say yeah pretty pretty nice upbringing when I have some family from abroad so when I was in my mid-teens I got to visit them for the first time and that was kind of like a move of independence because I left my family in LA and I just went alone abroad to meet some new some new relatives who I didn't really know before where was Spanish it? along the way this was Argentina nice okay mm-hmm. so I've um you know I've been fortunate enough to like travel either through like family or different different reasons you know school being one of them so I've seen different parts of the world and I think in that way have been exposed to a lot of different perspectives on life. I also really, really, really enjoy playing music and spend a lot of time creating music. And I think that helps me to process my my own thoughts. So I like to think about thinking and playing music to shut up my thoughts. (laughs) Nice. That's amazing. I always, Mm -hmm. I love meeting artists because I mean, being an entrepreneur, a lot of the conversations is about goals, outcomes, plans. But when you speak to artists, there's no goals, outcomes, plans. It's just the art uh, for the sake of it. And there's no real purpose to it, which is uh, just pretty beautiful. As in the purpose isn't the art itself, right? Yeah, I guess that's like, you know, that's the goal to be fulfilled with the art in in and of itself, but it is like, I guess, a complex dynamic (laughs) of how can we structure art in a way to 
or, or what happens if we do have goals and ambitions with our own art, then what do we, what do we do? And I've been thinking a lot about like just preserving my own passion for art. And that thought almost makes me fear having artistic goals in a sense of, I want to be creating music and I want to create music for the love of creating music. So I want to limit as much as possible my desire for any sort of external recognition, financial gain, anything attached with my music that is like a goal that may not come into fruition. Because if I have a goal so strongly that doesn't come into fruition, perhaps that will be taken out and detract from my love of the art. And I guess I've just seen this happen a lot to people so that's I mean this has just been like something that I've been thinking about a lot recently but yeah what you said about um just creating art <laughs> purposeless for the for the sake of it is a, is a beautiful way to go about it who are your role models in music because you know there's there's lots of role models there's lots of musicians and artists that gain their fame after their death right because art is is art you know, and it's, it's truly just the journey of that. And, you know, as we were speaking about self-identity and masculinity and, you know, how to present yourself, the only way to go about it is to be truly authentic to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess, like, sometimes it's hard to be truly authentic to yourself because we have to even discover our authentic self. You know, sometimes we might think we're being authentic to ourselves and, and we don't, really realize that there's a more authentic version of ourselves that's just laying waiting for us to discover it and that's kind of how I feel sometimes with music you know I'm where I search for the sound that I want to create and I'll be making music and I'll think okay like is this me is this who I am and then I'll I'll, I'll continue to experiment and discover and say oh no actually I really like this and I mean who am I kidding it's all me you know and I am forever changing as an artist and as an individual so this is going to I can never I don't think pinpoint a sound or like who I am you know an identity for myself and stick with it but in that sense it's it's hard to be consistent and consistently work towards towards different goals but to answer your question about musical inspirations and artists I mean a lot come to mind for different reasons like you know, some content versus form. Some people, I just really like their content, you know, the sound. And then other people, maybe I don't love their music or, you know, elements about them, but just like the way that they have infiltrated the music industry or like the philosophy behind their life is something that inspires me. So a lot of different sources of inspiration for different reasons, but to name a few, there is somebody named Aldi Miola, really, really, really good guitar player a duo called Rodrigo y Gabriela, a lot of tango music, Carlos Gardel, like bossa nova music. Um, and then even like more like heavier rock, the Avenged Sevenfold, Metallica, some reggae, you have dirty heads, rap influenced as well, but I just really enjoy music. I really love listening to it. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting that you talk about wanting a goal and then if you have the goal then that kind of detracts from the journey so what what would a fulfilling life be like for you what would it look like because it seems like you're kind of on the fence of all the fences in that sense of like you know 
I want to know myself, but I don't want to know myself because then that detracts from the inconsistency of the consistency of you not knowing yourself. You know, and it's <laughs> fun little circle of thoughts that you have. Yeah, a fun circle of thoughts until you get dizzy running around. Mm-hmm. And then it's a, a distressing circle of thoughts. Then it's a distressing whirlwind. I don't know. I mean, any like specific event that I could name, like, I guess I, I want space to continue to create, you know, continue to play music. I want the energy to do so. Like the passion to, to even pick up a guitar and play and like the mental, emotional, and even physical energy. I like want to not be in pain. <laughs> like a lot of these things are just things that I, you know, in, in many ways I have right now, which is why I want to constantly check, keep in check, like, what I think I want. That being said, I want to play music for people, you know, play music for more people. And if that's in the past, a lot of time it's been just pitching up at a park and playing, but I've had a lot more like opportunities for that, you know, in college, like I could just sit down anywhere and then like there could be a crowd of people and you just meet friends and then you just start playing music. Whereas once you start leaving those environments, I feel like it's a little bit harder to, to find people to play for. As funny as that sounds, I guess, I guess there's always people to search out, but um, I really love the experience of sharing, sharing my music with other people, hearing feedback and just creating that space. So I guess that's like, that's the ultimate goal. It doesn't even need to be like a lot of people. It could be just a couple of people. So it doesn't seem too terribly unattainable, but I think that one step towards achieving that goal could just be having more like a a solid like more solidified foundation or like validation as a as a musical artist and then that could be leveraged to play at different locations either if it's like a venue or restaurant or just have the interest of people so then they can come listen but now that I even say that out loud like I don't know if that's truly truly my goal maybe it's just to make better music you know I just want to I want to continue learning and like I want to make music that I'm truly happy about and I feel like I do you know I feel like and I do but there's always a lag like the music that I create and the music that I release and share with people when it's not in a live setting is always reflective of like a past spot in my musical journey so I guess I would like to fill up that you know catch up you could say, with what I have created that's reflective of me, that somebody could scoop up maybe a future, <laughs> a future relative or like, just like share it with a friend, you know, this is like the music that I make, because I feel like the music I make is so reflective of, of who I am, then it's almost hard to describe any, to anybody like, who I, who I am without sharing music, but then maybe that's just me placing too much emphasis on this part of part of myself which isn't you know truly me like I'm a musician but that's not all I am so I say all of this and it kind of just demonstrates the swirling thoughts Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that constantly surround this I think it would be cool to just be able to leave to Oaxaca Mexico and uh (laughs) and play some music there and be able to feed myself and (laughs) do stuff with that so I think that would be like the ultimate goal which is maybe a little less attainable monetize music I don't know if that's a goal, actually. Okay. You know, it's it's really interesting here now that um, I'm in Oaxaca. I, for the last couple of months, have been in like very remote 
areas and and on the beach and just kind of in very unpopulated spaces not like Oaxaca is mega populated but there is a lot there are a lot of artists here right there's art all over the walls there's there's music everywhere there's artists and I just feel like it is a space where a lot of artists can come together so are you looking for a space where you have a community of artists where you can kind of bounce ideas from or are you looking for an audience of people that appreciate a certain type of art probably more so the first just a space mm-hmm. I guess because I think I've been most happy most fulfilled you know creatively fulfilled and just like fulfilled socially fulfilled when there's been a community of artists around me or just where I you know can be inspired by other people and just hearing that and I guess like that's been it's interesting you bring that up because I think that's that's maybe just the goal is to find a community of artists and and stay in those spaces because especially right now I mean like you know bringing it back to Santa Clarita it's like just devoid of that it seems and I'm like just working, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy my, my time here, but I just work full-time, kind of a corporate job. And then I walk around my neighborhood, look at some white picket fences, and then I can <laughs> play some music, you know, but it's, it's not really like a creatively inspiring location to be. And I'm happy here because I'm getting comfortable, kind of complacent. It's nice, but what is it that truly sets my soul on fire? Maybe yeah. that's something else. Yeah. I think um, one thing I I was contemplating about is what would you die for? Because I used to think, what would I die doing? What would I like spend my whole life doing? That's not something I would die for. That's just something that I, you know, happily spend most of my days doing, assuming I had many days. But yeah. what would you die for? As in like, what would you cut your life? for right now for something that you truly want you mm-hmm. know it's kind of the opposite version of it because it's not something you build towards what would that be because I think you know something that lights your soul on fire is something you live for versus not something you die for or is it the same I don't I mean I'm thinking can you could you further elaborate like the difference between between those two I guess what, what your idea of of that because so, yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, I would spend my life trying to understand people more, right? And I would spend my life fighting for women's rights. You know, all of these things that I used to think identified me, I would spend my life continuously fighting for it because that was what represented me. Something that I would die for, I don't know. I don't know what that would be because th- there's a finality to it and and a and more of a sacrifice to it than the, the buildup of, you know, the duration of your life. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm, look, I'm thinking of it differently, but yeah, that's, that's how I would, I would, that's how I would um, define the difference between like someone that has a short time frame to live versus like the, the finality of death. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It's, it, that's an interesting question. Um, I have to think about that because, you know, I haven't really thought about it before. So nothing immediately comes to mind because I don't know, you know, as much as I love music, (laughs) I would live for it. I like to play it, but Mm -hmm. would I die for that? Like, would I die for it? I don't know. 
I mean, I feel most attached, I guess, to like who is attached to me. So I feel there would be an ultimate responsibility towards like, I guess, family or like my community, the community that I truly feel a part of. Maybe that, that transcends the idea of the activity within the community, but it's like the community itself. If there was one, if there was like a need or a way that I could dedicate and maybe the difference between living for something and dying for something is one is you dedicate yourself to a cause and the other is you sacrifice yourself to the cause. Um, So I don't know if if I'm like ready to sacrifice myself to, to any cause that sounds pretty intense because at that moment, then you just cut ties with all other causes, I guess. And I have my hands in a lot of pots. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be the distraction that you have, right? Because if you had the one focus and that was the only thing that you sacrificed for, then you'd have complete focus on, on that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we're talking, I I kind of thought something that I probably would die for would be freedom, you know, especially now with so many rules and restrictions in place, I think it, it requires more courage and bravery to be free or exert your your freedom nowadays Mm -hmm. and yeah would I have issues with authorities about my freedom 100% and that could be you know life-threatening and in in that simple instance it kind of just brings me back down to earth to realize that that can happen at any time so I might as well die for freedom in that sense yeah I'd say it's a pretty good cause. I mean, many people have, have died for freedom and mm-hmm. to pave the way of, of where we stand. And I think that also can point back to this first conversational topic of just masculinity or gender identity. Ultimately, like the ability to express how one truly feels most authentic to themselves when it goes against the status quo and like the tradition, the norm that has jeopardized people's lives mm-hmm. time and time again and people have have stood up for freedom and they have died for it and they dance and relish in it now that you know like honoring the sacrifices of those who came before us to pave the way for so much opportunity to be free I guess free of binary confine if we put it in like the lens of gender or you know you can wear any lens and you can define freedom in a slightly different way and going back to that idea of I would like to not be in physical pain physical pain has been a huge part of my life (laughs) for um, a few years and it's been a recurring theme so I think that there's a lot of things that I could be doing to lessen that pain in terms of like stretching and moving my body that I just don't find time, energy, or space to do. So I want to create that space for myself, but then I also want to create that space for others. And that's like the, maybe that's what I would die for. You know, like, I think that is like a cause worthy enough alleviating people's pain, my own pain. And then I see that's where like the the three passions kind of converge, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get there. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I think, I mean, I'm about 10 years older than you and in my group of friends, we always lived off the concept that you got to love what you do or do what you love. 
So it was like an all or nothing kind of ordeal where you mm-hmm. can only have one passion and then be into it forever. And I think that's generally been a very unhealthy decision, even, you know, marriage, you know, relationships and just like that the one and only answer and that's everything and, and going, going all in and then realizing that it doesn't satisfy every element of what you're looking for. So having that kind of trifactor concept, I think is, is a lot healthier um, and balanced at least, you know, in terms of like, these are things I study. These are things I'm more technical in. These are things that my passion is at. This is more of a cause, you know, having all of those varieties of what, what matters to you in your personal social circle. Is that how most of your friends think or are they still, are they kind of on this more traditional side of like, you got to do what you love. And that's the only one thing to do and discover what that is. And that one guiding purpose, North star, whatever it is. And that's, that's going to be it for you. You know, that's, I mean, that's an interesting question. Cause I feel like I've, I don't have like one definitive social circle. I've always kind of been the individual who, as I have my hand in, in many different pots of interest and passions, I have my hand in many different social circles that vary widely, you know? Um, so I couldn't give like a specific answer in terms of most of my friends feel this way or most of my friends feel that way. They're all like very inspiring, you know, have a lot of insight and a different approach to life than myself, which I, I enjoy. And there's a couple of people who I could identify on like either end of the spectrum, maybe having themselves in dedicated to one cause and just running with that um, because that's who they truly feel they are and what they're most passionate about. And then others who are maybe more like myself and um, are doing multiple things that seem to contradict each other on, on the surface, but that really do have an interweaving thread of commonality between them. And now that I think about it and voice it out loud, probably like the few, you know, if I had to search through all of these social groups that I have at some point been affiliated with, and I pick out some of the most inspirational and people who I've felt closest with, to name, to, to think about two, I think of one person who is much more on that quote unquote, traditional path of just running with it in one direction, one running with a passion, one direction. And then the other person who is doing so many different things. And both of these people, when I think about them, are just, I feel like performing at their highest ability, you know, and they're truly dedicating themselves and doing such an amazing and inspiring job at what they do, that it's really cool. And I kind of find myself in the middle. And playing catch up with them but it's like they teach me so much through their own actions so I'm I feel fortunate to to have those balancing inspirations to be just a phone call away to like truly friends like really great friends I like that I think another traditional aspect at least in my generation was competitiveness as like there can only be one of, of each type of success factor. Like there can only be one musician in the group. There can only be one whatever person. Is that something that 
that occurs in your generation or is, is it a little bit more friendly in the sense of, you know, everyone can share, there is space enough to share with everyone? You know, I can't really represent my generation as a whole, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but because um, competition, it's, it's innate to, to humans. You know, we, we are in competition with one another if that is the perceived, you know, I, I mean, it's just, that's, that's something that will always be feeling threatened by the success of others, feeling like there's not enough space to go around, <laughs> even as we have more and more space. Mm-hmm. you know, more and more social space and more and more content. And, and there is enough to go around. We're still playing with this illusion, illusion of like resource scarcity, I guess, attention scarcity when we live in the attention economy and all we have is other people's attention at, at their fingertips. I don't really feel in competition and I don't feel like people compete with me. I don't feel that like pressure or that threat. If I think back on my life, maybe I did in high school. I can think about a time when I was playing in a band. And that experience was kind of funny because there were two lead guitar players. It was myself and one other person. And amongst, you know, our friend group, we were like the guitar players. And there was always a little bit of Mm. competition of like, who could play better? Who has the crazier solo? Or who can do this? Or who can do that? Um, And it was fun to, to play around with a little bit but it never got out of hand. And I think it really taught me a lot about that idea. And now I just try to support other musicians and whatever they can do, you know, or support other people. Like I don't, I don't really feel in competition much with anyone. Maybe that's like a fault. Maybe that's not enough, you know, like maybe if I felt like it was more of a competition then I would be, I, I would like push harder, but I just feel, um, I don't feel that. Well, I think that's healthier that you don't have that competitiveness because, I mean, I think it was pretty unhealthy to, to feel like everyone was in competition with me to, to work as hard as I did because mm-hmm. I felt like I would lose momentum and someone else would take my spot. Whereas if you don't have that, you can actually give yourself space to slowly develop yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Do you feel like I wonder, lacking though? Like, no, not not really. I mean, this is like a, a weird time in my life. Not like weird, but it's just like an, I like I feel like pretty content. You know, I feel like I'm working towards the goals that I have, and I feel like I have my goals like somewhat defined, but I'm not so attached to any one of them that it, it's still a very exploratory stage where I'm I'm figuring out what I like to do, and then I'm I'm readjusting the path. I feel pretty good, honestly. Like, I feel like I'm doing, I feel like I'm putting in work and I'm relaxing and I'm taking it slow and I I don't feel pressed against any wall of necessity because there are still, you know, there still is a lot of work and a lot of effort to be placed that I would like to do to, you know, I want to continue the momentum that I have. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll just keep on but I want to be cognizant of complacency. So that's on my radar. And I feel that the longer I am feeling comfortable, there's always that temptation to stop pushing. 
and I am pushing now, you know, I'm learning, I'm, I have these ideas and I'm working towards them, but there's always the temptation and the possibility just to kick your feet up into, to sail. I think I have a nice balance right now, but we'll see, you know, what time can do. So why, why do you think that uh, comfort leads to complacency? I think it's just because you have another option, you know, you have, you're not because comfort, I guess, is the opposite of, of necessity. And when you are comfortable, then you don't need to exert the effort, which is many times uncomfortable, you know, which is, which is difficult. It can be painful. You can, you have to make some sort of sacrifice, even if that's sacrificing just, sitting down and watching a movie or hanging out with some friends, you know, you don't have to make such huge sacrifices, but you have, you got to put an effort An effort takes energy and energy is a limited resource. That's why I think that comfort can lead to complacency because it's always the piece of cake that's just dangling right in front of you, <laughs> you know, and you're always, it's always kind of appetizing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if I would agree with that because I mean, yeah, put yourself in uncomfortable positions if you if you're looking for growth. But on a on a regular basis, I think you you'd seek comfort. You know, you would seek a home, you would seek a space where you feel good about where you are. Because if you're always in a space of discomfort or survival mode, then you can't think further than you know what needs to happen right now and when what needs to go on the table right now. Uh, and then you end up being very narrow minded and short-term thinking of, you know, what those basic needs need to be met at that instant versus the comfort is where you can actually look further into the future and analyze the past and, you know, be more in the present in that sense. I appreciate that perspective. And that is a good point. I guess that's just, um, there's a balance between everything, right? Because if we're Mm -hmm. If we're too far into that, I like to think about, I forgot, it was like um, these three zones, you know, we have what the comfort zone and then we have the stretch zone and then we have the danger zone. And I think this was like something that I saw and it was geared towards like elementary school. How do you teach emotional intelligence or like discomfort to seven-year-olds? And I'm like, holy shit, I'm not a seven-year-old, but this is good. (laughs) Um, So it's like the... uh, you know, if we're always in the danger zone, always out of, so far out of comfort that, that we're not grounded or that we, we can't focus on anything besides our, our basic, most necessary needs, then that's not a place that we should exist forever. You know, long-term, long-term staying there is pretty distressing. Like we don't want to just live a, a super uncomfortable life and, and that can be disorienting. So I don't know, I guess it's like, it's either finding a balance in existing in a place that's kind of on the edge, or I think more so it's just like dipping, dipping around and exploring and like moving, you know, there's times to be comfortable and there's times to like test the waters out a little bit and, and to just put effort into things. And then there's time to just not put effort into enjoy the fruits of your labor and just kind of, kind of sit back. So I think as long as we're just like exploring and continue to find movement and within that, 
it's a good thing. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> I think you were you were telling me that you were traveling somewhere. Um, and is that part of your desire to be a little bit more uncomfortable? It's I don't know. Like, it's funny because I don't know if my desire is to be uncomfortable, but when I am uncomfortable, very desirable things occur. So um, I love traveling because I love the opportunity to be alone in a new place and to be infinitely small and just work my way into ever fascinating situations, be it social or, you know, environmental, like see new things and speak to new people. And I, I find like, I don't know if I would attribute that to un, to discomfort because sometimes it can be uncomfortable, but it's really like, it's like a game, you know, and it's, it's challenge, but it's a fun challenge. And that's what I love. Like, that's what I live for, you know, finding ways to, to apply myself in new foreign situations. <laughs> so I, I would love to continue traveling for that reason because I feel like it brings out the best part of myself, the best parts of myself. It's true freedom. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm understanding your concept of complacency a little bit better in the sense that you're, it's not really so much comfort, but just you're looking for a challenge. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> no, <I'm thinking laughs> of, like, um, because, because I was thinking like comfort, could be the removal of challenge and then without challenge there's minimal effort that needs to be put and when there's when we're not being challenged and we're not putting effort into the things that we do then I'm only half alive you know I'm not really using my brain I'm kind of just going on autopilot and then I can wake up and like three months have passed and then I close my eyes again and 20 years have passed and all of these goals and ideas and plans for my life have just evaporated so I guess it's less of a pursuit of discomfort and it's just more of a pursuit of challenge, but a healthy challenge, you know, finding that right balance to just to wake you up and be alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's what we're all searching for now. Like that sense of vitality, you know, a desire to wake up in the morning versus like, Oh, I have shit to do. I guess I should wake up, you know? Yeah. All right. So I want to, I want to wrap up with a couple questions. What is, I mean, if there is anything that um, you learned about yourself through this conversation today? Something that I learned. I mean, I think that was really insightful. You know, just speaking to you has been insightful. So thank you for taking time out of your day to do this and just having this be a recurring theme in, in your own life, because this is, this is cool. You know, we talked about what is there to live for? What is there to die for? And I kind of landed on a, an idea of it having to do with empowering a community. And I think that what you're doing is empowering com community by, by lifting individuals up and leading them to insights through conversation. So you facilitated this very well and a lot has been insightful. One of which being probably that, you know, like <laughs> the insight of what the pointing in the direction to think more about what I would die for and what that means, and the value that I place, why I value doing the things that I do, is not inherently for the, for the joy in doing them. Because, I mean, it is. But to think deeper about what that does in the environment around me, 
another thing I feel like that I learned about myself was the the like for challenge, the yeah. like for challenge, <laughs> the uh, the appetite for challenge, I guess, which is kind of funny because sometimes I I think about myself, and I think I can come off to others as like a pretty chill guy, you know, just to go with the flow, like which. I've never like been lazy, but it's always in the back of my mind. Like, can I, can I do more? Like, am I challenging myself enough? So I didn't really realize like, you know, I do like, I do like challenge and I don't, I don't do great in situations where I'm not challenged for a long period of time. I find intellectual stimulation through challenge and the effort and exertion that that's required. Mm-hmm. Those I'd say were like two of the main insights that come to mind, but I'd have to have to reflect, digest upon this conversation a little more to pull out some others. Yeah. Awesome. And my last question to you is, I mean, it could be any of those two learnings or another topic that jumped out to you that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode on the show. I mean, a couple of things that, that pop up, we were talking about like kind of an in-group and out-group idea in terms of masculinity, you know, why did I feel perhaps like I was performing and putting on a show at that drag queen event where I went dressed up. So maybe like the idea of, if you want to continue it with masculinity or just in in general, just what contributes the feelings of inclusion and when do we feel as a part of the group versus not and why? And does that desire kind of to conform I guess to to have a label and have a spot for us play into some of the ways that we interact with our own identity and our limits and willingness to explore within that realm yeah that's really profound um I'm I will definitely have that conversation with a couple more people and thank you for bringing that up because I think that's a space that we didn't really get too far into yet in the series so excited to get more into that yeah the the whole inclusion and the, the need to fit in versus the need to stand out versus you know do you feel right in the space you know actually in your in your own skin so those different layers to that many yeah cool well thanks so much for for taking the time to to hang out and chat yeah thank you I'm really glad we touched on aspects of gender norms as a form of identity, and that is wrapped up in wanting the approval of others or to be seen as if you are approving of others that you might feel you have privilege or power over. Funny how this is now the consideration rather than before it was really all about acquiring that power or privilege. What are your thoughts on that? And if you are someone or know of someone that has some unique stories or perspectives to share, send me a message at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. Make sure to subscribe to the show and I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.